Okay, good morning. I think I'm going to get started. Uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, today is October the 30th, year 2022. Uh, today's topic is about uh, four militant black women who fought judicial white privilege. Uh, these women are uh, Rosa Parks, Ida Wells, Harriet Tubman, and the Margaret Garner. Uh, the reason I want to talk about them is uh, really because uh, this picture showed up on the Tucker Carlson show during these protests against the the, uh, the Dobbs decision, uh, giving the states to decide the abortion issues. So anyway, in that particular picture, uh, the shot is uh, focused on a group of uh, white women. Believe it or not, they are, I think they are all white women. And uh, they hold three signs in this uh, crowd. Uh, one's, uh, actually four signs, but only three are, uh, are, are, has the full, uh, full uh, picture displayed on, the, on this particular video clip. One is uh, Hear Me Raw, R-O-A-W. AR, hear me wrong. The other one says, we are ruthless now, act accordingly. Meaning that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, they want to have a more, uh, what I say, outspoken protest about uh, the Dobbs decision. And this third sign really caught my attention. This third sign is saying, Ban assault weapons, not abortion. I find that to be interesting because I want to talk about, uh, that's why I uh, prepared for today's episode. So because, uh, first of all, like I said, it just happened that this group of protesters ha all happened to be white women. And uh, I understand the gun control is uh, very, very high on the uh, political agenda for the uh, for the for the white women, and there's a reason for that. And uh, it also just happened that uh, what I find out in the history of this country, these four distinctive African American women who has advocated for gun ownership, uh, maybe with exception of a Margaret Garner, uh, that they are all for the gun ownership for a very particular reason. Uh, that is to fight the oppression by the government, specifically against slavery, uh, uh, against, uh, and then later on with Rosa Parks is about this separate but equal doctrine. So I find that to be interesting that these four black women are all for owning guns. And uh, so that's why I want to talk about them today. So before I do that, let me, as usual, do some news update. So quite, quite a few items happened in the past week. So I want to run four pieces of news I think worth, uh, worth mentioning. One is about this uh, British Prime Minister, new British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak. 
uh, I have learned that uh, Mr. Shunak actually is a Hindu believer. He practiced Hindu, and uh, and uh, not only he's you know wealthy and all that. He actually, religiously speaking, he belongs to the Hindu religion. I find it to be fascinating for this reason. Back in 20, 2008, when Obama was running for president, uh, one of the John McCain supporters come out and say, Obama is a secret Muslim, for which Senator John McCain stopped her. And John McCain assured this supporter of his that Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, is not a Muslim, secretly or openly. And uh, back then, I was asking this question. What if Obama really were a Muslim? Does being Muslim disqualify someone to be the president of the United States? I, apparently, a lot of people still believe so. So because of that, I think it's worth mentioning that this Rishi Sunak actually is a publicly acknowledged Hindu believer. So as we know, you know, UK is a Christian country, still is. And so it is a pretty astounding development that a non-Christian believer has become the prime minister, head of the state of a Christian nation. So for that, I really you know, like the development in UK, regardless how, what the uh, Rishi Sunak's policy will pan out. So this is the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about is the, uh, this a progressive caucus letter for the, uh, to Joe Biden for more diplomatic efforts to end the Ukraine conflict. And, I've, and as we all know, Within a few hours, probably within 18 hours after they send out this open letter, these progressive caucus people withdrew their letter. I found out to be hilarious uh, because uh, I have always said to be uh, the cancel culture by the deep state, by the war machine of this country has long existed. Muhammad Ali is a victim of a cancel, cancel culture because Muhammad Ali uh, cannot participate in the boxing matches as soon as he came out against the Vietnam War and against the draft. And uh, same with uh, Martin Luther King. As soon as Martin Luther King came out against the Vietnam War, he the uh, Johnson administration immediately support, uh, stopped working with the MLK on the civil rights issue. And uh, even within the MLK's inner circle, there are, there are, there are people who strongly disagree and the public park, park, part away, parted away from MLK. And remember that. Around the time when, as soon as he, MLK announced that he is against the Vietnam War, his approval rating is only 25%, which means that 75% of the Americans were against MLK. So, so in a nutshell, 
Oh, there's another example that how the war machines can really, really destroy your career. The, in this case, uh, there is a, a famous uh, uh, Democratic senator. Uh, his name is Max Cleland. Max Cleland is a Vietnam vet. He lost completely both of his legs. And he also lost one of his arms uh, for the, you know, for his for his uh, tour of duty in in Vietnam. Uh, I mistakenly thought he is against the Iraq war, but actually he voted for the Iraq war resolution. But however, prior to the Iraq war, uh, he is against some of the foreign policy uh, in regard to the Afghanistan and Bin Laden. So he has been labeled as a uh, as someone in the same camp with Osama bin Laden, uh, and uh, the uh, the Republican political machine uh, took that opportunity and it completely destroyed Max Cleland. Uh, you can Google him up. Max Cleland lost his Senate election campaign and went deep into depression and very soon passed away. So this just another example is that, that to show that there is a tremendous power by this war machine in Washington, D.C., even today. Uh, the, uh, you know, with this much power, even those uh, so-called progressive caucus people, they don't even dare to touch these war machines. So that's the second piece of news I want to talk about. And the third piece of news is about this, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the 20th Congress of a Chinese, uh, of the Communist Party of China. So there is a lot about uh, the, the fact that uh, this guy Hu Jintao was somehow forcefully removed from from the uh, from the attendance uh, I find out it's a hilarious is that how mainstream media is using the words uh, you know cleverly to paint a picture Hu Jintao is not someone in power he is a ex-president former president or general secretary of the CPC so by removing him from the podium while he's not making any speeches where he clearly due to his age might have some problem medical problems he's entirely okay but even with that the mainstream media will make so, some something out of nothing so it is just very tragic how low today's journalism goes and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, the the the, uh, the the, the noteworthy things in this particular uh, CPC Congress is actually this. I'm quite shocked that CPC is not using an old flag of the Chi Communist Party of China, which is, a uh, which is a hammer and a sickle sign. And uh, this seems to me is a clear political signal is is that that chi, chi, uh, the the communist party of china is coming back 
to the anti-colonial agenda. And uh, basically, they, they're going to consider uh, that uh, they, they are key mission to help those uh, formerly colonized nations and countries and the peoples to, 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 to move away from, from persistent poverty uh, to some kind of a moderate prosperity. And uh, basically, not only uh, China wants to help these formerly colonized countries and people to become independent from their colonizers. Now China is committed to help those colonized people and countries to develop themselves. And uh, which, you know, is a very big deal. And the last thing I want to talk about about the news is this. Uh, as we know, the mainstream media is making a big fuss about this uh, home invasion. Maybe home invasion, maybe not. And the hammer attack of a Paul Pelosi, the husband of a Speaker Pelosi. So, and uh, yet again, this is another example. The mainstream media is trying to help the Democrats as much as they can for the upcoming election. What I'm trying to say is this. Uh, we know there's an attack. We know there's a lunatics out there, but there's some certain details are still unclear to all of us. Meaning that I have heard that the, 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 the attacker actually was somehow let inside the house, which means that this is not a home intrusion. And the second is that, as we all know, uh, people in this country, in the United States, are getting more and more upset with the governing class of this country. So after all, Paul Pelosi was recently known to have been driving while drunk, being drunk, driving while being drunk. And he actually almost got away from being charged. And that just shows. Uh, plus, I think uh, Pelosi and a lot of other Congress people uh, have been accused of committing insider trading, uh, trading, insider tra trading. Uh, basically, they are buying and selling stocks that were impacted by the laws they're making. So all these just drive the public dissatisfaction uh, with these uh, politicians. So I would not be surprised, you know, these things happen. But, uh, but the fact is that the, but the fact is that there are two, uh, uh, there's a two gun violence incidents. One is in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. The other one is St. Louis. Both in both incidents, uh, the government are teenagers, 19 year old, and I think it's one is a 15 year old. The fact that our country is getting just more and more violent, and the the, the shooters become younger and younger. That's a far more pressing issue than some, in my opinion, the spouse of a corrupt politician was attacked somehow. So long story short, I just think that this is this particular mainstream media.
production is very similar. The, the goal is the same. The goal is the same with when Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. These are all part of the uh, political theatrics to show that that the politicians try their best to remain in power. And uh, they are hoping that the public will show sympathy uh, to, to their misery uh, when, when they did not show any sympathy to the hardship that the, the average Americans uh, are going through these days. So that in a nutshell is uh, you know, what I want to talk about, uh, the news update. So for the topic for today, I'm going to go over the uh, first thing I want to talk about, introduction. I want to talk about this uh, Chief Judge, Supreme Court Justice Warren, uh, uh, Justice Chief Justice Warren. Uh, I have learned recently that uh, Warren Court is, the, uh, is regarded the highest uh, by the historians in this country. Basically, the Warren Court uh, is considered to be, what I would say, uh, most qual uh, did their job as a judicial branch of the government. Many great decisions were handed out by the Warren Courts. So I, so I, what I did is I dig into this uh, Chief Justice Warren, and I found out to be something very fascinating. During the time when uh, uh, Warren was appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court, the United States is probably the only country that has uh, atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs. And it's also at the same time, the racial discrimination, a lot of racial incidents is happening in America, and it has been made known to the world. So the notable ones are this uh, Emmett Tilt, uh, Emmett Till, T I L L, uh, Scarborough Boys, and also uh, these uh, uh, bus segregations. So when one of the justices visited India back then, I think I'm trying to find his name. So my apology, I'm trying to find my notes here. Yeah, basically back then, when the, there's a two, uh, there's one Supreme Court justice visited India. In, uh, when he arrived in the India's uh, international airport, he got a, a lot of reporters asking him why the United States, you know, even though the United States fought the Nazis during the Second World War, why the United States are still mistreating the black people so badly. And uh, so, of course, for that, this uh, U.S. Supreme Court justice has no answer. Uh, Chief Justice Warren has uh, said this, is that he has found out 
the respect of America, the respect of America's legal system uh, has been poorly damaged during those times. And he's, he went even uh, go as far as this. He's basically saying the respect to the American democracy is not to be maintained by, the, by stockpiling hydrogen bombs by this country. Uh, it has to be established by, you know, equal justice to all people. So uh, because of that, this Chief Justice Warren's court actually is among the, uh, is, uh, is the one who, uh, who, who uh, ruled that uh, bus segregation is unconstitutional and, uh, and among other decisions. So you can Google it. Warren Court is considered to be probably the, the you know, the best uh, the U.S. Supreme Court in the period, and uh, U.S. Supreme Court has made a, a few major decisions. So, so with that, I want to just go by these four women. The reason I want to talk about Warren Court is this: I think it's the Warren Court who over uh, who ruled that uh, Alabama, Montgomery County, uh, Montgomery City of Montgomery, Alabama's bus segregation is unconstitutional and uh, of course the you know one of the major figure in that uh movement is rosa parks however i did not know rosa park actually is a very militant civil rights activist i'm aware of the fact that the uh, rosa park is very uh what i say very leaning towards uh Malcolm X, other than MLK, because uh, she is uh, quite unhappy with the fact that uh, many white people who supported civil rights movement is saying that black people are were asking too much. And uh, Rosa Park is uh, very much fed up with uh, what's happening to the black people. When she was at attending schools, there's a lot of racial bullying going on. And she, I'm, my understanding is that she actually engaged in some physical fights with the white harassers during those times. And, uh, and so, so she is, so, uh, and, and then, Someone else told me that she actually is uh, affiliated with uh, this organization called the Alabama Communist Party, which is a, a all-black communist party. And uh, I did not know uh, until recently that uh, she, Rosa Parks and her husband attended the gatherings of this Alabama Communist Party. This commun uh, Alabama Com Communist Party, ACP, started in uh, 1928, which is uh, about seven years after the founding of uh, the Ch Communist Party of China, by the way. And uh, I want you to keep in mind this. Back then in the United States, as far as I know, attending the gathering of communist parties itself is a probable cause for the FBI or for the police to investigate you. Uh, I'll give you an example. This uh, famous Chinese uh, rocket scientist, 
back then he was a U.S. Army colonel, went to uh, Nazi Germany to interview the Nazi scientist uh, about the rocket uh, technology. So this guy is rumored to have attended a gathering organized by a, a member of the Communist Party of USA in, in California. And he ended up being investigated uh, by the FBI and eventually was sent back to China. And this happened in the, nine, in the late 1940s and the early 1950s. So what I'm trying to say is this, for Rosa Parks and her husband back in the 19, 1940s to attend Alabama Communist Party gatherings, that itself is a probable cause for criminal investigation. So, so she's not, she's, she's no way a nonviolent, uh, civil disobedient, uh, protester. She, she knows what she's doing. Uh, you know, as you know, that this infamous case called the Scarborough Boys case, uh, back then, uh, the criminal defendants is not entitled to an attorney. It is the, uh, I believe, it is the Alabama Communist Party who helped obtain legal counsels for the accused uh, back then. So what I'm trying to say is that Rosa Park is a very, very uh, aggressive uh, a, a, a civil rights activist. Uh, she can only be, uh, you know, compared to Malcolm X and others, you know, a militant type of a, 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 a civil rights activist, not as the mainstream media or the white historian wanted you to believe that she is all, you know, all polite, you know, uh, and all that. So, so let me read a, uh, uh, one of the uh, description about Rosa Park, which I found out to be very interesting. A longtime believer in a black united front, Rosa Parks embraced multiple approaches and chafed against white admonitions that black people were demanding too much. Quote, I don't believe in gradualism or that whatever should be done for the better should take forever to do, end quote. Many of the tenets of black power, that is self-defense, demands for more black history in the curriculum. I will say that's probably critical race theory back then. Economic justice, internationalism, independent black political power, were not new to her. So she's demanding those stuff back then. She's demanding those stuff back then. So, you know, this uh, uh, is another statement. There is uh, back in the, uh, there's more uh, description of Rosa Parks here. Referring to Malcolm X as her personal hero, Rosa Parks and Malcolm X met on a couple of occasions. The first in November 1963, because Malcolm, out by Parks' courage, wanted to meet her. 
Their longest conversation occurred just a week before his assassination, when Malcolm X returned to the city to give the keynote at an event by the Afro-American Broadcasting Company, where Rosa Parks also received an award. Parks was part of a end quote militant uh, sorry quote militant group of blacks end quote, according to the Pittsburgh Courier, at the Democratic Party convention in 1968, that refused to endorse any candidate for president. She spoke at the Solidarity Day rally of the Poor People's Movement, attended the 1968. Black Power Conference in Philadelphia, and the 1972 Black Political Convention in Gary, Indiana, where he was、uh, he was photographed. She began wearing African-inspired clothing, turned out for numerous Black History lectures, and promoted after-school programs teaching Black history and culture. She actively worked for black candidates in the city across the country, and took part in a variety of groups and mobilization challenging U.S. involvement in Vietnam. In the 1979 to 1980 school year, he visited the Black Panthers Party School in Oakland. So she she is again Rosa Park is a very militant. She. She is for any means, and she, her perspective, as I've as I have said many many times in the old days, these Black Americans, their perspective, are broader, way broader than today's Black leaders. The word internationalism. Meaning that they seek liberation, not just of black people, not just within the United States, but across the globe. So that, you know, itself, I want to say is that you know, Rosa Parks really is a very, very、uh, enlightened, and to the extent that she is welcoming any means, including militant means, of obtaining liberation for the blacks in America. This, you know, before Rosa Parks, the second person I want to talk about, because we talk about Rosa Parks a lot, because we're thinking Rosa Parks is the first person who refused to give up her seat in a segregated bus. She actually is not.、Uh, even in the, as you probably all know, even in Montgomery, Alabama, there's a, I think, a four or five other African American women. Who has refused to give up their seat and was also arrested and prosecuted、uh, by the police? Okay, so but there's another person who actually did even further. Another person by the name of Ida Wells, W E L L S. Ida B Wells is actually also is the first person. He's the first person I know of that fought against. Segregated seating. She did it on the train. Back then, I think the for Ida、uh, for Ida Wells, she took a train in Memphis, 
uh, Tennessee from one town to another. Uh, back then, the train has is separated by, I guess, a smoking car and non-smoking car. And for the black people, the conductor is instructing the black people to sit in the smoking cars. Where I guess the non-smoking cars are considered to be like a quieter and, uh, you know, uh, probably suited for, you know, more upper class passengers. This, this woman, Ida Wells, of course, was upset. She does not want to move. The conductor actually have to forcefully remove her from the non-smoking car to the smoking car. So she actually did the exact same as Rosa Park did. And even better, Ida Wells, by the way, she's a very intelligent woman, Ida Wells. She's the first known investigative journalist, black investigative journalist. Ida Wells actually filed a lawsuit against the railway company, saying that she should not have been forcefully removed from the smoking, uh, non-smoking cars. And she actually won $500 in the lower court. The lower court actually awarded him 500 US dollars. That's a pretty decent amount. The, uh, but the sad part is this. Her case got appealed by the railway company to the appellate court. In the appellate court, the judges there reversed the lower court decision. Not only the appellate court did that, they actually, in their ruling, put in many, many personal attacks against Ida Wells. Okay, basically, you know, she's just saying she's, you know, unworthy of a human being, things of that nature. So Ida Wells has actually fought this uh, segregated seating. By the way, they're all established by Plassey versus Ferguson, right? So both Rosa Park and Ida Wells, what they did is against the traditional white privilege, meaning these judges who established separate but equal doctrine. So Ida Wells actually fought that. Ida Wells also, like I said earlier, is the first black investigative journalist who investigated nothing but the lynching of black men nationwide. She did uh, all kinds of investigative work in different states as wherever there's a lynching that happened, she will travel there, find out what happened, and put it in the paper and publish that. So that's Ida Wells. Now, what does Ida Wells to do with uh, being militant? Well, as you can imagine, Ida Wells complained about the racial oppressions, you know, especially the you know, from the lynching is that she knows when a black man or entire black family was violently harassed by the whites, the police will never show up. The police, is, the police, the government is a part of this uh, racial oppression, racial harassment. So either Wells is a strong believer of owning a gun. A gun. So he, he said this, Quote, 
a Winchester rifle should have a place of honor in every black home, and it should be used for the protection which the law refuses to give. So I want to point out that uh, unquote. So basically, she's saying, when the law refuses to give you protection, when the police is a part of the harassing force of you, what's your protector? Yourself. By what you can protect yourself? A Winchester rifle. By the way, I'm pretty sure Winchester rifle back then it will be considered an assault weapon. Okay. It will be considered assault weapon. But Ida B. Wells literally advocated that for every black home, there should be a Winchester rifle. Okay, so again, these two black women are very militant because they have no other choice. The judicial white privilege established that it's okay for the whites to harass the blacks. And your only protection is to grab a gun. So 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 that's Ida Wells. Now the next one I want to, person I want to talk about is going further back to the history is to this uh, Harriet Tubman, right? And uh, because I live in uh, Delaware, I have as of, as of as a matter of fact right now I just moved to this new spot right at the border of Pennsylvania and Delaware. As you know, Delaware is a slave state. Pennsylvania is a, uh, a slave state. The under, uh, underground railroad is in this area. From Delaware crossing into Pennsylvania is one route to go there. So I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, this woman, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, I need to dig out her, her name out. Harriet Tubman. She has been active in this area. Okay. I know she did a lot. I know I, for what she did, I think the, you know, we're going to have a $20 bill with her picture on it. You know, I'll tell you, back then when, when I first heard about the Harriet Tubman being on a $20 bill, I don't quite understand. I don't know about this woman. I just know she organ she's part of the organizer of underground uh, 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 railway and all that. But I was like, you know, what's the big deal, you know, about this woman? So, of course, now I learned a whole lot more is this. First of all, let me explain this is this. I have said in the earlier episodes, the civil war in this country could have been avoided entirely had the U.S. Supreme Court followed the Constitution. Basically, there, at that time, there is a highly controversial law called the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. It is an enhanced fugitive slave law, meaning that, you know, first of all, back then in the Constitution, there's a still slave clause, meaning that, you know, slaves cannot get away from servitude, you know, and all that. When it comes to 1850, uh, when there's a lot, you know, you know, slaves start to run away into the free state, uh, the southern slave owners is getting unhappy. So they have a lot of influence and power in Washington, D.C. So they passed this law called the 
Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. This particular law is very aggressive. As a matter of fact, it's so aggressive, it became unconstitutional, in my opinion. What happened is this. This law allowed a private person, a slave owner in the South, to go after the government, or even non-government, government or non-government people in the North, if this southern slave owner can allege that his slave is being helped by a person of the free state. This law allow the southern slave owners to hire agent, not only himself, but hire agent to go after, to go to the northern state to hunt down his slaves. And during the process, the southern slave owners can literally incriminate government officials, state officials, if he find out the state officials is helping the slave. So that's how bad it is. So long story short is that to get involved with the helping fugitive slaves, you have to be militant. That I did not know until recently. So Harriet Thurman actually uh, is also a gun-owning black woman. He carried a small pistol with her on her mission to help slaves, fugitive slaves. Uh, it's for two purposes. One is to, of course, to shoot the slave catchers because as soon as you get, you know, if they find you, you know, you, 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 you're dead meat. That he also carried this uh, pistol to encourage those weak-hearted runaways from turning back and risking the safety of the rest of the group. In other words, among the group of slaves who try to get away uh, and and uh, 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 get to their destination in the in the free state, such as Pennsylvania, some of them may may give up in the middle of it. That will cause a life-threatening risk to the other slaves. So she actually is a very very hard-nosed, gun-owning badass, literally. If a slave catcher got her, she's going to fight to her, de- to her death. And if someone tried to back out of the deal in the middle of the runaway mission, uh, she is using her pistol to, in- to, 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 to enforce the mission. Okay, so this woman once wrote in his diary or in his letter to her friends, and she said, quote, I had reasoned this out in my mind. There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. For no man should take me alive. Think again. Uh, to, you know, think again. You know, why she owned a firearm? Continue on her writing. I should fight for my liberty as long as my strength lasted, and when the time came for me to go, the Lord would let them take me. Unquote. 
So Harriet Tubman is not some kind of a, you know, just a regular person <coughs> doing her daily, <coughs> earn her daily living during the daytime and maybe helping fugitive slaves in the dark. She's very prepared. She ha- she carries a gun all the time. As a matter of fact, there is a picture of her because she is involved in the Civil War afterwards. And she she carry a long gun also. Again, the long gun back then will be called a long gun will be called assault weapons back then. But she has no choice. She has to carry those guns because uh, freedom and liberty does not come in a nice boxed package. You know, you actually cannot negotiate for your freedom and liberty from the oppressors. You actually have to go to your Second Amendment rights. So this is the third woman who is just militant. Okay? And she, again, she's because she is helping the slaves because the U.S. Supreme Court has said Yes, it is okay for the sudden slave owners to hire an agent or by himself to go after his slaves in the northern state, incriminating northerners, whether being in the government or not. That's what the U.S. Supreme Court says, which is a total violation of the Constitution because uh, each state is a sovereign state itself. And should not cannot be violated by another state. So now I'm going to come to this fourth person, Margaret Garner, G A R N E R. I I want to talk about her later on when I talk about this Dobbs decision. There is many movies, many books has uh, have been written about her. Okay. Basically, she is one of those fugitive slaves. Not in Pennsylvania, Delaware line, but in the in Ohio, Kentucky line, I believe. Basically, she and her husband with 17 uh, slaves in total took advantage of a very, very cold winter and crossed a particular frozen river and arrived in Ohio. And uh, again, because of the Fugitive Slave Act, uh, they, they got caught by the slave catchers. By the way, the slave catchers inclu- include federal marshals. The federal government is required by this law, Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, to help to capture the slaves in the, no- in the, no- uh, in the, no- in the free states. So, Margaret Garner, you know, and her husband stole the gun of uh, their owners before they escaped. And I believe when the when the slave catchers and the uh, U.S. Marshals round them up in a house, I think there's some gunfight that happened. Okay, what happened to Margaret Garner is this: she has a four children. She has four children. Just about the time she was about to be arrested and sent back to her owners, 
she used a butcher's knife, I believe, tried to kill three of her four children, if I'm not mistaken, the youngest being two years old by the name Mary. So she was successful in killing her own daughters, two years old. And she, she injured her two other, daughter, uh, two other daughters because they, they, they're, they're much bigger. So, so, so I'll read a little bit about you know, what happened to her. Uh, slave catchers and the U.S. Marshals found the gunners barricaded inside Kite's house. Kite, I think, is one of their relatives before he returned. They surrounded the property and then stormed the house. Robert Garner, this is Margaret Garner's husband, fired several shots and wounded at least one deputy marshal. Deputy marshal, which is a U.S. official, okay, federal official. Margaret killed her two-year-old daughter, Mary, with a butcher's knife rather than see the child return to slavery. She had wounded her other children, preparing to kill, to kill them and herself when she was subdued by the Pussies. Here is another very violent black woman. She's engaged in illegal activities back then using a firearm. And, uh, and they had to do that because the laws and the courts were stacked against them. Totally stacked against them. And, and, and for that, you know, they are still celebrated as heroes today. You know, Rosa Parks, but going back, is just an example. When you know, I think she, when she died, when she passed away in 2005, I think her, uh, you know, uh, she, she lied in state in, in Congress, uh, in the rotunda and all that. But very few people want to bring up this topic of that she actually is a very militant black woman. As if, as if, bring up the topic of a gun ownership, bring up the topic of a Second Amendment, is a kind of a major no-no, which is absurd. I'll tell you a little bit about more about Rosa Parks, which I do not know until recently. We have all known that Rosa Parks, uh, despite segregation, was ruled unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court. While Rosa Parks was arrested and has a pending criminal proceeding, you can uh, Google that this. As you know, the federal court is one judicial system. State court is a separate judicial system. Rosa Park was arrested under the city bus code. She was charged under the city bus code. Take a guess what happened to the criminal prosecution. In other words, you would think, ordinary people think, after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the bus segregation is unconstitutional, you would think the criminal prosecution of Rosa Park would have stopped, but it's not. So let me repeat, the state 
government or the city government, whatever it is, the local prosecutor's office actually prosecuted Rosa Park for disorderly conduct from the same incident where she refused to give out her seat. That Alabama appellate court about Rosa Parks' conviction. This happened, let me repeat, after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that bus segregation is unconstitutional. Think of that. What kind of justice is that? So, you know, so, so again, you know, I'm going to con- conclude to today. It's like this. Again, I, I got this uh, topic only because I watched a, a, a one episode of a Tucker Carlson show where, you know, he's uh, showing this picture of a white woman. Ban of weapons, not abortions. I was like, uh, you know, I was, I got, you know, that's why I wanted to do this episode. Because the point, which I actually agree, is this. When it comes to body autonomy, when it comes to body autonomy, what's the difference between forcing a vaccine needle into your arms? and abandoning you to have an abortion. It seems to me both is a government intrusion on someone's body, which means that the person, the, 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 this individual, the citizen of the United States will lose his or her body autonomy, right? So I have said in my Last episode, or probably two episodes ago, I said, you know, I know there's a, a, a number of lawsuits currently being litigated by the military service members because the DOD, the Department of Defense, has issued a fiat saying all service members must take COVID vaccination or face consequences. So my question is to the government. No, I know the court is going to sort it out. But it's going to be interesting because uh, how you can force a gun-carrying service person, a U.S. Marine, to roll up his sleeves and, uh, you know, I do not know why I cannot allow people to call in. I can, I, I, my apology. You know, if uh, if you want to call in, just show up, and then I will invite you to be a speaker. Yeah, something's odd with this calling app. So, what I brought up last time is this: you are facing someone who is trained to use an M sixteen assault weapon. You are telling this person that he has to give up his body autonomy. And allow you, the government, to stick a needle inside his body. What the hell is that? 
So what I'm trying to say is this, is that it's the same principle. The Constitution should be applied equally and universally when it comes to personal autonomy. Right? So it's very easy for a white woman to hold a sign saying ban assault weapons. You know, let's abolish the Second Amendment. But since when we are going to allow the government, the police, to have all kinds of weapons? Going back to Chief Justice, uh, Chief Justice Warren. So at what point we're going to allow our government to stockpile hydrogen bombs and all kinds of, of destruction? While at the same time, we're going to say, you the people, we don't want you to own those fancy weapons. You, America is a very special, our constitution is very special because it's actually the people is superior than the government. The people should have more rights than the government. So I consider this is a cultural phenomenon, is that for this white woman to hold a sign saying, let's ban assault weapons, not abortion, is this. Where women, generally speaking, are well protected, right? So, you know, they have no worries when there's some criminals attempt to harm them, okay? So we all know that uh, if there's a missing woman, especially if that missing woman is white, her picture is going to show up on TV, on newspaper, everywhere, right? So for them, culturally speaking, they don't, they rarely will feel that needs that they need a, a weapon, a, a gun, a pistol to protect themselves. There's a police ready to stand by. But when it comes to racial minorities, that's a little bit iffy. That's a little bit iffy. So that is why I want to point out that it's not an accident. There's all these four women, black women, in their lifetime. has always advocated of owning guns. So, 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 oh, Zach, I just invited you. I hope, I hope I, uh, you can, you can speak. Uh, I, again, my apology. I do not know what happened to this uh, calling app today. Uh, by the way, I cannot, I'm not so well prepared myself because I'm in the middle of moving to this new spot. I intend to build a tiny house in this spot and uh, do some uh, environmental experiment. So going back to, 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 to this, later on in my uh, future episode about the Dobbs decision is this. Owning firearm as given in the Second Amendment is a part of the rights to defend your body autonomy. I never believe a gun is there for hunting. I just don't never believe that. Gun, the second amendment is there, is to protect your body autonomy. If someone, if the government or some private person want to invade your body autonomy, especially when government wants to do that, 
your only remedy at that time is the Second Amendment. So just imagine someone hold a needle to stab you, or someone use a knife to stab you. You just hope it happen to have a firearm with you. Are you going to use that firearm to shoot the attacker? I think you would, because the attacker is violating your body autonomy. It's simple as that. Okay. So, so lastly, before I you know close up for today is this, because uh, Martin, this uh, guy who is a you know frequent calling uh, uh, speaker and the caller, you know he he. One day, uh, the other day, said, "Hey, I think uh, you know, Peter, you are advocating for violence." No, I'm not. I want to make this clear. I talk a great deal about the violent incidents as they happen, as I talked about it earlier today, about this attack, uh, hammer attack on Paul Pelosi, and then these two high school aged person carry out uh, shootings, one in Missouri, one in. Uh, North Carolina, I'm not condoning the violence whatsoever. But I have very high interest in finding out what happened and why. Because uh, as I have showed you, among these four black women, there's a reason why they advocate for own, uh, firearms. And as you can tell, they actually do anticipate, they did anticipate circumstances when they actually have no other options but to use their firearm, which is guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the Constitution. So so that is pretty much what I want to talk about. So, you know, again, these women, we should not be brainwashed about, oh, what they did is civil rights, you know, they just one day become a believer in a civil disobedience. Therefore, they have a peaceful demonstration. Now, behind the scene, behind the closed door, they have all thought and believed and practiced owning fire, uh, you know, the Second Amendment. And they are willing to take militant actions for their freedom, for their liberty. So that is what I want to talk about today. And uh, thank you, Brady. Thank you, Victor, for joining me. And uh, I hope you both had a, have a great uh, rest of your Sunday. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.